You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Is this photo going to massively embarrass them when they're 21? You just have to think about how people are going to use it, think about how it could be used, and then sort of reverse engineer your behaviour back from that. If you could put all the extracurricular activities within the school and have them run until five o'clock, that would be perfect. That's a great solution. You need to talk to the government, Nia. Were you out late or did you get to nine o'clock at least? Mate, we were out till like 10.30. (gasps) Today, having babies babies in your 60s, the myth of work-life balance, how to deal with bullying, and when one-night stands lead to a lifetime of child support. Joining me today, we have TV and radio presenter Yumi Steins and Kevin Mitchell, known also as the frontman of Jebediah, and under his pseudonym of Bob Evans. Yumi, Kevin, welcome. Hello. Now, before we get stuck into it, Kevin, you're currently on tour. I am, yes. Um, Whereabouts are you heading? Oh, where am I not heading is the (laughs) question. Um, I'm going all over the place. I'm only in my second week at the moment, but but yes, I'm playing through New South Wales, Queensland next week, Victoria the week after that, South Australia is in there too, and, and, and WA as well, right through till June. But you can go to my website, bobevans.com.au, for all the tickets and details. <laughs> huh? That was good. That was yeah. very smooth. Yeah. I like it. So um, when you're touring like that, mm. you've got two little girls. I do, yeah. Do you sort of go back home in yeah. between times? Yeah, I mean, gone are the days where I used to just like leave home and come back two months later. Um, so, it, And it's good now. I mean, I, I used to live in Perth, but now I live in Melbourne, so it's a lot more, it's, it's a lot more doable to do it that way. Um, so yeah, I sort of just go away from, it could be Wednesday to Sunday or Thursday to Sunday and come home and we'll be around for like the, you know, from Monday night. I, I, I try to get home on a Sunday night so that I can be up on the Monday morning because my wife works and I have the kids in the morning, but sometimes we have to, uh, you know, do the do the daycare thing. It's a logistical nightmare. Oh, I can I can completely understand that. Yeah. So tell us about your girls. Um, well, I've got a five year old and a three year old, Ella and Ivy. Uh, so Ella's just started prep, which so she's go she goes to you know proper school now, and she goes to the same school that my wife works at. So yeah, so it's a big change. You know, it's having one of the kids kind of. You know, five days a week. They're, Leaving they're, home. Well, you could, you could say that, yeah. Um, well. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real sort of, yeah, it's a big, it's a big deal. And, and I know like lots of people are saying to me, you know, on the first day, oh, that's really emotional and that kind of stuff. Now, I was just kind of excited because she was really happy to go. Mm. So I was excited for her. And also because my wife works there, we've kind of, you know, for better or worse, we've got Eyes on the ground, you know. So. Oh, it makes it, I think that makes a huge difference because yeah. Darcy started school this year, and it, it. I do get. I try to get involved, but it's hard when I'm working, and yeah. it's almost like she's disappeared into this mm. other world. I I have to really make an effort to find out what's happening for her. At least yeah. your wife can spy on her. That's right. Yeah. And, but, and I say for better or for worse because, so, in in a way, for the first couple of weeks. Uh, my wife, Kristen, she was like going, look, you know, I've been watching her at lunchtime. She's just running around. She doesn't seem to be kind of making friends or getting a group of friends. Mm. And we were both sort of worrying and started asking her, you know, who are your friends? Who are you hanging out with? And she wasn't telling us and all that. And we were just worrying. And so, and I just thought like, you know, it would actually be better if we just didn't know. Because she's fine. Mm. She's happy. Yeah. She's not, she's not stressing out. She's having a, a great time. It just took her a long time. 
And there were other kids that were the same. It wasn't yeah. just her. It's just that she was the only one my wife was watching, you know. So <laughs> it can... I hope she wasn't on duty at the time, Kevin. <laughs> Looking out of a window, office window, yeah. Um, and Yumi, of course, you've got four kids. Yeah, just to give you a quick overview, I've got a Nook who's 15. She plays the guitar. Cool. She loves manga comics. Dee's 12. She just suddenly became top of the class. She used to be a straight C's student. Mm. All C's. Now she's like getting A's and stuff. Wow. So that's you. Does her seven. brain have like a growth spurt or something? <laughs> <laughs> Overnight. I think she cha- – you know, she. there's a sort of a reward system for nerds. You know, they study hard, they get A's, and they get the dopamine hit. And uh, I think she's just jacked into that. Uh, so, so it's yep. paying off. <laughs> Mercy's my three-year-old, which well, she's about to turn three, and she basically is the ruler of our house. <laughs> she's the boss, yeah. right? And then we've got Man Baby, who's my chubby little one-year-old. <laughs> and he's basically – his claim to fame is he's never worn traditional – boys' clothes because he's got three older sisters (laughs) and he basically wears all their stuff. Oh, I love it. All right, let's get into the show. First up, is 61 too old to be a first-time parent? If I'd been out till quarter to three, would you lock the door? Will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64? A Melbourne woman, Shami Powell, was 61 when she gave birth and her daughter is now seven months old. Apparently in the hospital, she was told she was too old to have a baby. And also that was from the staff and the social services apparently were hanging around, I guess, checking that she would be a suitable mother. Is this kind of scrutiny fair? I mean, when Sonia Kruger, she had a baby at 48, she got a lot of attention then, a lot of criticism. Mm. We asked our Facebook audience, and I think it gives a fair, um, it gives a, a, all the opinions that you probably would find about this. Tiffany says, and I love this, not my circus, not my monkeys. Uh, as long as kids are cared for, then why should I have a, an opinion on someone else's life choices? Julie says, my decision to cut cut off age was to do my last pregnancy at 35. Personally, I felt and feel that after that, I would be too old to enjoy my kids when they're older. I'd rather not be in a nursing home when my kids are raised by someone else. That's not fair on the kids. Mm. Samantha says grandparents take full-time care of their grandchildren when they're older than this. Really, people need to judge less. Kerry says, I say good on to her. She may just she may just do as good a job, if not better, than mums. A third of her age, people are also living to a being a much riper age these days too. And Melissa says, yes, age does matter, as when the child turns 18, the mum would be 79. She might be in good health now, but is it fair for the child to potentially be in a situation where he cannot be cared by his mother because she's too unwell or has died? I question whose needs are being met here. Yumi, what's your take on the story? So I did a bit of reading about um, Shami Pal, and she did want children earlier but was unable to and then found an IVF doctor overseas who, uh, and they had success. So that was part of the reason why she had such a, a late baby in her life. Look, I think times have changed, don't you reckon? Um, like, for instance, if you said biology wouldn't allow her to have the baby and therefore she shouldn't, well, what about gay parents? Or what about infertile couples? You know, it's so, so I think it's it's tricky to, to draw on that and yet I can, I can completely understand people's hesitation because it's such a – it's like parenting babies is a job for young, fit, <laughs> like warriors. You have to be a fighter, don't you? You have to be strong. So, so – 
not only is she old, her husband is old, and I'm imagining her peer group is also old. She's not surrounded by young, fit, nubile young people who are who are capable of this and who are in that world at the moment. So, yeah, I, f- I feel a bit for the kid, and at the same time, I think go for it. And, Kevin, um, just to be a bit controversial, huh. you are a man. I am. And- Last time I checked. <laughs> Last time I checked. You, you, are, you are. That's good. We've, we've clarified that. Um, as someone else mentioned on Facebook, we mm. would never be – um, asking why dad, I think um, Rolling Stones, why? Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger, thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's had a kid. There's lots of dads having yeah, I mean, kids I, old. I, it almost, the, almost the reaction is almost opposite. I think when you find out, when people found out that Mick Jagger was having another baby, I think people were like, well, hey, Good go Mick. He's <laughs> yes, still, <laughs> still got it. I mean, right? I mean, that's the double standard. It mm-hmm. happens all the time. Um, look, I, the way I see this is like, I can understand people having an opinion about it, and and I understand why there's a discussion about it. She's had the baby, so obviously, I'm assuming that you know, health wise, everything turned out okay. I mean, we know that you know there are different risks involved depending on your circumstances with age and stuff. But in terms of like whether she's going to be a good mum or not, I mean, who who bloody knows? Unless you actually know the person, I, I don't know how you can even have an opinion about it. And I mean, like, I. I kind of, it's the same as like, how do you know if a 15 year old is going to be a good parent or not? Or like, um, should should drug addicts have kids? You know, there are so many different factors at play apart from just age. Mm. And, you know, parents, the parents can, you know, die when your kids are young anyway from some, you know, um, totally. Predict- There's so many different factors. Mm. I just think like focusing on, the fact that she's elderly is just one of like so many different things to consider. That I, I and let's face it, I can't remember what the age was. It astounded me. I think it's even over thirty-five or, or close to forty. Mm. Doctors actually call you a geriatric. What are you sure? Yeah, no, no. When you're having a baby, yeah. you're termed as a geriatric. I, I had that actually, Siobhan. My uterus was a geriatric <laughs> uterus. Wow. And isn't that? And you sh- you're like what? Hold on a minute. I don't have a pensioner's card. Get away from my uterus. Don't you think? It's a, but, yeah. but I also heard that um, that the average age of first-time uh, first people, women having children for the first time is now over 30 in Australia. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, That's, it's heading up there anyway. So is what that you, we saying, Kevin? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, like thirty-five to be. Just, uh, yeah, I, I'd never heard that before. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. I, I, I think I'll, I won't mention that to my wife in conversation. <laughs> I think I might just let that one kind of let it go, go through to the keeper. <laughs> I'm Siobhan Hunt. You're listening to the Parent Panel on Kindling Conversation, where we invite two parents into the studio. Parents who have been chosen. Very carefully selected for their knowledge, insight, (laughs) and ability to contribute to the national parenting conversation. Today, I'm joined by TV and radio presenter Yumi Steins and frontman of Jebediah Kevin Mitchell. Up next, is it time that working mums accepted that finding balance is impossible? Kindling Conversation is now available to podcast. Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep? Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes, otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. (laughs) Yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to that. You can listen on your way home from work, after the kids are in bed, or whenever it suits you. Subscribe to the Kindling Conversation podcast via iTunes or through your favourite Android app. 
You're listening to Kindly Conversation. And it's here to play Johnny. I'm so excited. What Lorna, our music director, doesn't get to have. Well, she says she has a say, but then I choose the cheesiest songs to play. <laughs> and um, yes, I've got to say that was not approved by Lorna, but I'm glad we played it. Um, now, I've been. There's a topic that sometimes it gets in the zeitgeist. Sometimes conversations just kind of swirl around your head. And one that I've picked up on this week is this idea that work life balance is ridiculous. I know I've been thinking it for a long time. I've had conversations with women about it, but two fairly high-profile women in the media have been talking about it lately, saying it's a load of bull. Both of them have said it in books. Mia Friedman from Mamma Mia apparently wanted to call her new book, and this is the ki- this is the Kindling version. Balance is bull poo. You can imagine <laughs> imagine what the actual word is yeah. um, before settling on a tamer title of work strife balance. Mm-hmm. I've I can't say her name. Ivanka. (laughs) Ivanka Trump. I don't know why I have problems with that. Ivanka Trump um, has written in a new book. She said, I don't and you can't, so don't don't even try. Work-life balance simply does not exist. The sooner we accept that it's not a feasible goal, the less stressed we'll be. Now, I know both of these women have fairly hectic working lives, Mm -hmm. but Yumi, I'm wondering if you agree. I mean, is trying to find balance actually making it harder for us? I don't even understand the question. I don't understand what these women are saying. I have a great balance in my life. I I believe heartily in work-life balance. I believe heartily in knowing when to put the phone down, shut the laptop and just walk away. Mm. And I also have like an amazing relationship with my babies and my big kids where we get to sit down and we have dialogues. The little ones have baths with me. You know, we do great things together on the weekend. I think if you're lucky, you can find a work that fits in with that. But maybe, Siobhan, maybe I'm just, I've just been really lucky in my in my life. Well, Kevin, you were mentioning that your partner's, um, I'm assuming, a teacher because yeah, he works yeah. at a school. Um, how, I mean, I shouldn't be, this is definitely talking about working mums. So we'll talk about that and then we can sure. t- focus on working dads as well. But yeah. do you think your wife has managed to find that balance? Um, yeah, look, I guess the funny thing about this question is what what does a balanced life kind of look like? Mm. And, and, it, and the question illustrates to me too that just the, the fact that they're, that we Women do feel the pressure to try and achieve this goal of work-life balance, and I'm not even sure what that looks like. Um, but fathers don't have that same pressure on them. I think that is more the issue here that 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 pressure to even be trying to you know achieve this thing. But yeah, my wife works till uh, one o'clock Monday to Friday. So I so Monday to Friday, unless I'm on tour. But most of the time, I'm up in the morning. I have the ki- you know I have the kids. Could, get them all ready, do all the whatever I have to do. And then at one o'clock, Kristen comes home, you know, we tag team. I And then I go off and, you know, play guitar. Or, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, or, I hope or, my husband's not listening to do, this. He's going to tell me to become a teacher. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I suppose I, I agree with Yumi. You know, like I do, I personally think that trying to find some balance is important for me because I know that if I... If I'm not tr- trying to do that, then things will, you know, go off the rails. So um, I think that we, at the moment, are doing the best job that we can mm. to kind of achieve that. But like I said at the start, you know, it is a logistical nightmare. And given my job, um, it's always changing. It's very – routines are really hard to stick to. Mm. We always are like, you know – 
two months, three months ahead of ourselves with it. We have a calendar, like it's it's out in, on the table at, at, all the time, and we're constantly updating it, mm-hmm. doing highlighting, <laughs> you know, where we need where the kids Sounds need like to be looked house. after when no one's going to be around and stuff. Um, so. But yeah, but I, I guess yeah. Going back, to we're my... the same, Kevin, with the calendar at our house. It's, yeah. it's an active document. You yes. know, it's never sacred. It's right on that thing. <laughs> scribble yeah, stuff yeah. out. One of the things, Siobhan, that I think makes a difference for me is I can maybe like Kevin as well. I can do work in the margins of my day. That's what I often mm. refer to it as. So if I'm up early and everyone's asleep, I can work then. And if everyone's asleep at night, that's a really good time for me to do two or three hours of writing because f- primarily I do a lot of writing. And so that works in the margins of my day and that's how I find balance. Mm. And I've just my question about that is my sister also, she's a graphic designer mm. and she has definitely, she has structured her life so that she spends the time with her kids in the day and then she does like you work at the margins. Mm. But I find that that, that in itself has a lot of pressure on her because by making those choices, it means... Um, what she has time for is her family and her work. Yep. She doesn't have time for herself. Mm. Is that what happens when you when you make? I mean, you have to make sacrifices, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering if that's what people are getting at in that that balance, work and family. You can find that, but you you it is <laughs> you're such on a slipstream out of it. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things that women do, Siobhan, is they drink, and that is their reward. And it's so <laughs> dangerous. I don't actually drink at all. I completely stopped drinking this year and it's made the margins of my day bigger because I'm not foggy at night from wine or whatever and I'm healthier. So part of my work-life balance is going to the gym as often as I can. So it's four or five times a week I go to the gym wow. and it's really helpful for my mental health mm. and also for the, the creative thinking that you need when you're a creative person for mm. your work. So there's there's that I, I consider as important as turning up to the office, going to the gym. Mm. And um, do you have a similar kind of attitude to your time for yourself because yeah, you know mean, you do you both do creative things that I'm assuming that you enjoy doing mm. but it's still work so yeah, what about oh, your time absolutely i mean i i think you're right i mean i look at the way we've structured our lives and it's very much you know you take make sure we're both taking care of our work taking care of family but in terms of like time to ourselves like working on our relationship that's prior that as a priority has kind of gone down that's definitely an issue you mm-hmm. know that we have to like actively kind of work on and 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 I suppose I'm lucky because when I go on tour I get a bit of space and so I can um even though I'm working, I, I still I have me time. Yeah. You <laughs> have know. dinner without children calling. Yeah, that's right. Now my wife, you know, doesn't isn't afforded that same opportunity. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess when you think about it as like prioritizing things, then I guess maybe that's the the hard the the struggle is like because in order to achieve that balance, you're changing, you're having to prioritize one thing or deprioritize another, and that. I guess is a is a difficult thing to do. Yeah, and that's just life, unfortunately, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's right. You're listening to the Parent Panel on Kindling Conversation. I'm Siobhan Hunt, and my guests today are TV, radio presenter, and writer Yumi Steins, and frontman of Jebediah Kevin Mitchell. Bullying is something that strikes fear into the hearts of many parents. So, how can we deal with it? We'll be chatting about that next on the Parent Panel. Be so mean. 
I'd just like to make a point of saying that Kevin Mitchell is nodding his head vigorously oh, yeah. to Taylor Swift. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Oh, look, I love, love a bit of Tay-Tay. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? This week on Kindling Conversation, I spoke with Dr. Karen Healy from Resilience Triple P about how parents deal with bullying or how they can deal with bullying. And I've it's always been out there in the media, how the steps we can take, the things that schools are doing. It's definitely more on people's radar. But for me, it's not something I thought about until my daughter started school. Um, she has been at daycare. It was never something that I worried about. There were so many carers looking after them. But now she's in an environment where I can actually see how easily it can happen. And suddenly I'm unsure mm. that all that av- advice is going to work for me. Yeah. Yumi, you've, your girls are, uh, you've got older girls as well. Yeah. Um, have you ever had to deal with bullying? Yeah, a number of times, and it's it occurs on a spectrum, I think, Siobhan. So sometimes it's really severe, right? And it's worth pulling your kids out of that school if, if the school won't address it uh, severely and seriously enough. And other times it's like, you know what, sometimes people just say mean things, so you might have to learn how to deal with that and be resilient. And then there's all the bits in between as well. But I was bullied too when I was little, but in a way, like, I think that was low on the spectrum. So I kind of just arced up back and, and gave it back. So I think bu- the word bullying is such a, a, a loaded word. You have to be careful when you're using it. One experience I did have was this recurring name that kept coming up, which I won't say. I'll, I'll call her Kiki because there's definitely no Kiki. <laughs> so Kiki this, Kiki that, Kiki was pushing me. Kiki was bad-mouthing me. I overheard Kiki, you know, saying terrible things about me. So I was like, okay, this kid is a problem. I'm going to have to get to the bottom of this. And I sent an email to the school and, you know, you know when you're like, okay, I'm going to action. I'm going to spring into action. And then I went to um, drop off a rain jacket that day. Just It just happened to suddenly downpour. And I came face to face with Kiki. And oh. so there was this opportunity to have a confrontation with Kiki. And I felt myself, because I'm quite a little person, I felt myself... <sighs> And I I sort of leant over and I went, Kiki, why do you keep saying mean things to my daughter? And she looked up at me in absolute terror. And I was, I had my meanest face on and she just crumbled. And then I was like, oh my God, now I'm the bully. What what have I done? And I just, like, I just felt terrible. So I don't know what the solution is, but maybe that's not it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Kevin, your eldest, uh, as you said, is now at school. Have you thought about it? I mean, it's, it's only been one term, so I'm not sure you've had to deal with it. I haven't. I mean, the the most I've thought about it is like a little thing has come home, and and in fact, last last time I looked, it was sitting up on the fridge. It was like a four step plan or whatever. Um, I haven't had to uh, experience yet with my kids. I'm sure I will because I think, like Yumi says, within that spectrum, I think everybody experiences some Mm. form of bullying. I know I did too when I was really really little. My first couple years of primary school, it was physical bullying though, rather than you know, um, and. And I'm sure that, you know, the kids are going to go through that. It's hard because I think my reaction to it or the way I might deal with it would depend very much on how, their age, right? Mm. Um, when the kids are really, really little, I think that if if Ella even told me about it, which is another thing, she may not... Um, uh, and I and I knew if I knew the kids' parents well, I reckon I'd speak to the parents about it. Definitely would probably talk to the teacher as well. If they're older though, the kind of rules are, 
are different, mm. aren't they? And the bullying can be quite the subtle. The playing field is yeah. different too. Yeah. A lot of it in the older years is exclusion, which is really yeah. subtle, and you can't quite name it or nail it. Um, and it's fair. If the kids don't want to play with you or they don't want to invite you to their party, that's fair enough. They don't have to, but there's mm. it can be cumulative where mm. the kid just feels so beaten down by this, and it is a form of bullying. And I find, I mean, just thinking about it, what I think would be hard for me is I over-empathise with my children. Mm. If I see them hurt or emotional about something, I immediately go back to when I was a kid and if I'd been bullied and I don't know that I ever had the strategies. I mean, like you say, it Mm. happens to everyone. In high school, I used to have a friend who was apparently a best friend and in health class, she'd literally sit in between two friends and turn her back on one. If that's not exclusion, what is? And we never knew how to deal with it. Mm. I mean, I guess the good thing is we now have people who look at strategies that we can try. Yeah, <laughs> the they, kids. They... The kids are really brave these days, and they are. The strategies, for instance, is one is which which works in adult life as well. I'm happy to say, <laughs> is you don't say you're doing this, you're making me. You say I feel bad when you say that to me, and then even if it's not really the behaviour doesn't change, at least your child's expressed themselves, and that can be huge. Just to say, actually, my mm. feelings deserve some acknowledgement. So, mm. oh, I love that you found a positive way to end on that. <laughs> I, like, I just went downhill. <laughs> You're listening to The Parent Panel. We'll be back after this short break talking about whether a one-night stand makes you responsible for child support. And that is what one man was after in his one-night stand. He just wanted some fun. And then he went on to write an anonymous post for news.com.au that's been doing the rounds this week. He says that his fling resulted in a pregnancy and a child and ultimately this whole thing has ruined his life because after a DNA test, he was required to pay child support until the child's 18. He's had to sell his house to make the repayments and he says he's struggling to cope. He's moved back with his parents. Now, before we all throw our hands up and say, you idiot, of course you are responsible. Um, His point, he had a really serious point in his article that um, his mental health has deteriorated as a result of this. He has no contact with his child. Um, he references the high rates of suicide among men, which I don't know that you can directly correlate with child support payments, but he says this is an issue. It's something we need to look at. Mm. Yumi, this, it does look like one of those stories where you just want to go, are you for real? Yeah. But is there something more to this, do you think? Well, the story was pretty good because he wasn't told about the pregnancy and it was really when, it was, when the pregnancy was past the point of no return that he was involved in it. And you're right, he hasn't seen this, ch- this child... So I do feel like a, a bit of basic human fairness hasn't applied to this situation. Um, at the same time, there's so many, there's like history is filled with armies of women who have been through this, who have had to wear the pregnancy on their own. In this country, I know, uh, you know, a lot of my friends from high school and primary school are in situations where they've split up with their former partners and those partners do not pay child support and they're not in jail. So I sort of feel like, well, I know heaps of guys who are getting away with not paying child support. I'm kind of curious how they're making him pay child support, given there are, like you say, so many stories of men who don't, who know their families, who are emotionally connected to their children and they still don't help support them financially. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I mean, Kevin, what was your take on um, this? Story? Yeah, I mean, I read 
this story and it's in his words and I know that it's he's talking retrospectively but mm. still they're his words not somebody else's so I think um, it's fair to kind of apply the necessary judgment I mean look I I just got the feeling that there was a lack and again he's talking in retrospect but there was a lack of responsibility right from the start I mean at no point did he mention right from the beginning that he was actually part of the what happened? Yes, I mean, yes, you know, yes. I know con- like condoms exist. You know, that was, there was no mention of any of that. <laughs> That's so let's a good just point. he he. So there was a there's a and and in his own words, he said uh, when he got the phone call, his you know I'm pregnant. In his own words, his first thing he said was, "Righto, whose is it then?" Or something. Now I know he's angry now, mm. um, but if that's the way that it played out, I just sensed that there was, uh, you know, the responsibility right from the minute this all this transaction uh, happened <laughs> was lacking. Now, yeah, I, I do feel for the fact that he doesn't see his child. I don't know why that mm. would be. I don't understand the reasons for that. I mean, if he maybe it's because he's. Well, he says he's playing his child support, um, and I can only imagine um, how much pressure it must be for for anyone to um, to have to, you know, pay that money and and then and not be able to see a child. I don't know why that is, but that 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 is sad. And I know that there are a lot of men out there in situations where they feel like they're not. Uh, being fairly done by in mm. terms of you know how often they get to see their children and stuff, those kind of things are such a case by case basis. Yeah. you can't really have a. a and he wasn't view on really it. talking. He he mentioned that at the end. Yeah, it but seemed, that wasn't the real line right. of his argument. The argument was why should I be responsible for his life? Yeah, that's right. It's it that's right. And there's mm. a, just a tone. There's a there's an underlying tone in what he's saying that I got just got the feeling that you know. It wasn't that, yeah, a lack of responsibility in it, and it, it, it wasn't really about the child. Yeah, that, I did get that sense. Yumi, were you? The quiet hero in this story is the mother who has taken him in, his own mother, because mm. <laughs> yes. he's back living at home, and that must be super annoying. Yeah. He sounds like a real whinger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I'm, I am going to move on from this because um, my favourite part, I do leave to the end. It's a bit like people who leave their favourite food until the end yep. of the plate. And that is um, I love to ask people about lullabies. Mm. It's a passion of mine. Um, either what you sing to your kids or what they sing to you, and I have a feeling you both have voices, you mean? I'm going to start <laughs> no. with you. Oh, no. <laughs> Look, as Jason, our online editor, said, Chev, you got me to sing last week, so Yumi needs to sing. <laughs> um, do you sing to your kids, Yumi? I, I sang to my two big ones. Anoku was my firstborn. She used to milk me like a cow. <laughs> I would sing for 45 minutes and her eyes would be like dripping <laughs> so heavy and then I'd try and stop and creep out of the bed. She'd go, Ma? Mom? You're serious. Some of my gigs don't go that long. That's insane. <laughs> 45, wow. 45, and I try and slow it down. So my lullaby is go to sleep. You know, it's the, that one. But I never knew what the words were, so I had to add some words in that were made up, which may be the, the right words. I don't know. You are warm and protected. You are safe. You are loved. Bed is soft, so nigh, nigh. Oh, that's so beautiful. Again, more. 
I know. One of the ones I sing to my son is Bella Mama, which goes for about 10 seconds. And he will sit there going, more, more. And I'm like, really? It's just to Bella Mama. That's all it is. Kevin, do you have a song you sing? Yeah, yeah. I uh, was uh, both my girls, you know, when they were, you know, in that baby stage, I used to just, you know, slightly stroke their head and just look into their eyes and, and sing, I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. <laughs> you got us then. Uh, uh, yeah, look, I... I the truth is he can't follow your lullaby. Oh, that was beautiful. He's, he's scared. I, was, I, I actually made... I he's got performance sleep. anxiety. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think I've ever really sung Did lullabies. your parents sing to you? No, not that I remember. Mm. Um... Yeah, I, I I can't remember. I'm sure when they were little and, you know, getting up in the middle of the night after, you know, after they'd been fed and then yeah, I can remember walking around for like, you know, sometimes like hour, two hours. I don't know if that's something you're supposed to do or not, but that's why you're going to try and get them to sleep. And, um, you know, I'm sure I would have been singing something, but I don't know if it was, was very effective. It was um, definitely not I like to move. Yeah. <laughs> I can just but, say that now. Yeah, But no, I mean... Oh, yeah, and and now you know. Well, I mean, we sort of we re- I, I read to them every we, we read to them every night, and then it's like lights out. See ya, I'm <laughs> out of here. That's the way to do it. So I I only did that with my first kid who milked me, and then the, the next three I've gone. All right, bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could learn something from both of you, Yumi, Kevin. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming in today. Thank you. Thank you. That's TV and radio presenter Yumi Steins and frontman of Jebediah Kevin Mitchell. The Parent panel will be back next week, next Friday from midday. That's all from us this week. I'll be back on Monday. Have a lovely weekend. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.